you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer, we can do this. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer, we can do this. Yeah. Good, y'all. Welcome to Beer and Other, the podcast, episode 26. 26? We are just a couple blokes helping you understand and enjoy craft beer. One pour at a time. What a wonderful way to introduce it. Guys, uh, we are at Bar Hop 2 on uh, Peter and Queen in sunny Toronto, Canada today. Beautiful rooftop patio. It is just stunning. Delicious cold beers. Oh. What more do you want? Sunday, fun Sunday. day. That's what the Sunday, kids call day. it. That's yeah. what they call it. And that's what we make of it, goddammit. So uh, we just had a wicked chat with Sam Corbet. Our first brewmaster we've had on the show. Do you know what? It's actually the second because Who's our first brewmaster? I had uh, Matt O'Hara oh, right. from Bose. Well, they said I was able to be a part yes, of it. Yes, and I, I, I didn't know that that was what he did Yeah. for Sam or Matt. And I felt like quite dick with regard to Matt because I didn't have anything prepared right. to talk to the OG who made all these dope-ass beers that right. I'm such a fan of. Right. So I was a little annoyed and I... I knew Sam, I asked him beforehand that he, I knew he was a, a brewer and a co-founder, but he never said the word brewmaster. Okay. Because like you said, he doesn't like that And they that just kind of threw it on you and you're like, oh. Well, with Bose, oh. I didn't know that because he said, I said, what's the favorite beer you made? And he's like, oh, Lug Trade. I'm like, what? Wait, so are you, you the brewmaster? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me, bro? And I sit there talking to him, not about nonsense, it just wasn't like, right. you know, I'm you sure people. You would have prepared something if you would have known. I absolutely would have prepared something. Yeah. No one said anything on any comments or anything. I think that was one of the earlier video episodes. And it was kind of really bad background noise so I think uh, I got away with it okay but uh, I will absolutely be prepared in future and I would if you were there it would have been better anyway but anyways we had a great chat with Sam top bloke he was a bit hungover so, and he drove all the way down from um, Gravenhurst that was amazing mad and he's driving right back right now that's crazy like he just sit down and sit back up we need to go visit him and oh absolutely we need to go up there yeah. now I'm gonna keep in touch with him yeah. um, really cool guy I just I appreciate that type of dedication you know to, to giving us the time of the day and not only in driving like an hour and a half to, to come down just to have a, a chat on a damn podcast that's going to come out in a few weeks uh, you know I think that's super super dope um, so you guys enjoyed the chat it was a bit more of a technical chat than we normally uh, would have you know I got to ask my amateur severe questions to a bloke who knows what's up and he gave me very cool answers so I appreciate that so hopefully I'm speaking for those who uh who are more like me and, and don't really know the tech side of it. Um, once again, never claimed to, not a not a nope. Cicerone, never wrote a book. Nope. Not me. Nope. Not Just you. a bloke Just enjoying a bloke. some craft beer all I on the patio and talking to people about it. That's all we are. We're trying to get those answers for y'alls. Yeah. Um, so I just want to quickly run through the sponsors. Uh, we won't yap too much. There's not much to say. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Brewheads, thebrewheads.com. If you use the code BAOS, you're going to get 15% off uh, all your gear. Craft beer what's swag. Your fav- what's your favorite Brewhead gear? Uh, do you know what? Now, the opener. The I love the... And you told me that. I said, Craig, it's a beer opener. Slow and down, then I, bro. It's, it's a wooden beer opener. It's a piece <laughs> of wood it. with a nail in it. <laughs> it's amazing. It's actually... I will never use another opener ever again. You need to get yourself one of these. It does not get any more lit. Yeah. I would say. Um, so definitely hit that up. Uh, say good day to Uncle Phil, who's about to be a dad in a couple months. Um, the second day is uh, our newest one, which is actually High Five Pedal Tours. Uh, based out of Ann Arbor, Michigan, who actually came on on our uh, last podcast. If you head over to highfivepedaltours.com, you Google it. I think it's F-I-V-E, not, not the number five. High five, F-I-V-E. It was definitely F-I-V-E. Yes. And you use the code B-A-O-S. You're going to get 10% off any of your uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan 
tours. So some ice going in there. Look, this is how real. This is real life right it's here. Real right this now. is real life. Actually, um, I, I was just on the internet, and uh, I think he does a Pokemon Go tour. No, no, no. No. Okay. okay break what, it down. I mentioned it briefly. Break it down. He did a Facebook Live video. Yes. And he was like, "This is how you can use Pokemon Go to attract people to your business." So okay. Some, I don't. I haven't played it. I'm not a game guy. But I'm pretty sure I saw people on the bike playing Pokemon Go, and they were like, "Cause he said a lure. chasing down the Pokemon." On the Pokemon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, there's these things called lures. Yes. You get, I, I, I guess, it lures the Pokemon characters to a place. Okay. So all the players go and see that. Where the lures like, That's are. where the Pokemon's be. Right. At. So they, Baby's all like, "Hey, yo, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go cop, cop y'alls." Yeah. And when he's there, bam, Dave's waiting out the front. Wow. And then he got Genius. people on the thing, and then they're like, "Hey, look, come on a tour." Yeah. So then they jump on a bike, and he's probably catching business when uh, they're catching them all. And he's wow. And he's catching them. This is amazing. And he told us he, he did that Facebook video and then like the next day I read a full article on Inc.com that had all these marketing schemes for Pokemon Go and his one was in there so that's so great mind think alike so, so smart I got a lot of respect for David's entrepreneurial hustle and I'm also uh, I guess I wouldn't even show it in the podcast but I'm rocking yeah. my High Five Better Tools hat right now represent um, so yeah get that discount what else do we have illnotestudios.com if you want to you know get your get any audio mix mastered all of that if you rap beats singing yep. beats just mentioned the BAOS podcast via email via text however you get in hold with uh, uh, it's great it'll know it's you guys yeah. there's a contact form there you yep. let them know you heard it from us you get 15% off your uh, your deals perfect and uh, finally uh, Toronto Urban Adventures another tour company based out here in the 6 as our good friend Aubrey calls it and um Basically, you can do his history of beer tour and you get 20% off using the code Brewhead, which is rather generous with the 20% to Absolutely. be 2-0. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much it. Uh, Tiffany, do you have any thoughts? She has no thoughts, so that's pretty much it for today, Scotty. Uh, you guys enjoy the chat with Sam from Sawdust City. Make sure you check him out, sawdustcitybrewing.com. Hit him up at Sawdust City Beer everywhere online. Follow them there. Their social is pretty dope. They got a lot of new beers coming out. Honestly, I've never had a bad beer. Like, genuinely no bias, and I feel like you feel the same way. I agree, yeah. I don't really... That would Lone Pine, that. though? The Lone Pine is the, the yeah. lit yes. of all the beers. And we're at Bar Hop now, so we're going to go have another beer, yep. and uh, you guys enjoy the day and enjoy the podcast. Cheers. Cheers. All right, y'all, welcome to BAOS Podcast, episode 26. And we are here at Bar Hop 2 uh, on this lovely Sunday afternoon. Beautiful patio up here. Um, and who are you? I'm Scott Beer, Cold Beer Enthusiast. Who are you? I'm C Certified Brewhead, and sir, who are you? I'm Sam Corbet, Brewmaster and Co-Founder of the Sada City Brewing Company. Sweet. Amazing. Welcome, brother. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, coming all the way up from, uh, or down. From yes. uh, Gravenhurst today. Appreciate that, brother. Yeah, so I, I was going the opposite way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, man, how's things? Everything good? Yeah, it's great. Summer's been insanely busy. Summer, summer in the beer craft beer world. We just added five tanks in May. Nice. Upped our capacity by about sixty-seven percent. And right now, we're learning our new centrifuge. Which okay. It's great. It's going to help us, uh, you know, speed beers through the. Uh, sellers a lot faster, I mean, you can get a little bit more efficiency on our tanks. 
quarter of a million dollars. It's more beer, right? Yeah, and faster. Beer. Yes. That's good. It shaves a couple days off. You don't need to log the beers as long. And you get a little bit more to the tank bottom. So it's all good things. Uh, it was a big investment, but we feel it's going to be like really help the beer and uh, get us more efficient. Sweet. Amazing. So how, when did Soda City uh, really kick off? Okay, the first, we got our manufacturer's license on October 31st, 2010. Wow, okay. Oh, jeez. Well, it was in 11. It was either 10 or 11. 2011. 2011. And okay. we sold our first beer November 18th, 2011. Now, we are contracting out of the Niagara uh, College. Yeah. Okay. And then we moved to doing some... Um, Contracting at a Black Oak in Etobicoke. Yep. Yes. So we were always planning on building up in Gravenhurst. We originally uh, were going to be a brew pub right on the water, and we had purchased a plot of land, and we were going to build a building. Uh, but we started contracting, and then I started working at the school just through. They asked if I wanted to work there while I was contracting. I'm like, sure, why not? So I worked there for a bit, and we contracted, and then we started selling more and more. And by the time we got to about to build, we were already already going to the LCBO, and we're like, we, we're not going to be a brew pub anymore, we're going to be a brewery. So we had to basically put it about a year and a half behind, because then we had to source a building, which was, uh, we ended up moving into an old Canadian tire in Gravenhurst, right on the main street. It's about 20,000 square foot facility over the two floors, and... Uh, Looked really big when we started, and it started shrinking in size when we fill it up. But uh, we moved in there, uh, did our first brew June 27, 2014. So just over two years brewing there. Uh, our grand opening was uh, Labor Day weekend that year. So our second anniversary at uh, the Sada City location at Gravenhurst will be uh, Labor Day weekend this year. Oh, um, you mentioned contract brewing. There. Why? Why did you start with contract? Originally, I didn't want to, but while we were at the school, it all kind of happened organically. Like we met the guys, uh, Steve Gill and uh, John Grislow uh, from the Niagara College uh, at the Craft Brewers Conference in San Francisco uh, five years ago, six years ago, and uh, we were talking about what we were planning on doing. And they're like, "Oh, why don't you come do some test batches at the school?" Okay, so we went down to do the test batches. And while we were there, the guy, that's when the job thing kind of came up. Would, would you like to work here? I'm like, sure, I guess. So I started working there, and then while I was working there, like, why don't I brew some beer? So I brewed some beer and we started selling it. And as it turns out, now we're contract brewing. And then we sold, they only had 10 hectoliter fermenters at the school. We would sell those really fast. So we actually bought our own tanks and put them in at Black Oak. And okay. Ken was great and allowed. So basically, we were renting the brew house from them. We had, by the end, we had four of our own um, 40 hectoliter tanks at the brewery. Yeah. And uh, it was, you know, it just sort of happened. It wasn't we didn't set out to be contract brewers. We were always planning on opening. It just sort of happened. Right. And then because we moved to that new location and it just set us back a bit longer. We ended up contracting longer than we intended, but it allowed us to get our foot in the market and establish ourselves before we opened our doors. Right, that's my thing. I was just curious as to what your thoughts were on contracting. We sort of heard a bunch of talk online in bits and places I lately mean, about the, the negative side of it, but just to see, you guys are a success story. And it started in that, right? Uh, Left Field does the same thing. They, did, they started out in contracting and then built a place up here. I know Spear has been trying very hard to open up. They've almost been 
their success has almost driven, made it harder for them to open because whenever they stop to look to open, they end up having to look for a bigger place and a bigger right, place. Right, bigger. They're expanding yeah. so quickly. Now they have such a huge sales base that they yeah. can't just have a 20 hectare for us. They need to go with 50, and then all of a sudden your startup costs are enormous, so right. their success almost has been an hindrance. Okay. So, and they're really great guys, and I'm sure they'll get something going soon. It's just take, for them, it's taking them longer than they hope to. It just seems to me that um, contract brewing is the logical stepping stone to opening your own be, brewery. Totally. I mean, it just seems to jump into it right away and build your own. It's, it's a big risk, right? It so very much is. you got to make sure you're making good beer and a product that people like before you uh, That's exactly, go into it. It that. gives you a chance to establish your brand. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so the audio is here, so you talk to the audio. That's like, okay. um, <laughs> yeah, and the, 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 the negative side of it is there are some breweries that are just in it for the money type thing, right? Which, if you're not in a better term, if, I you're, guess, if yeah. you're in it for if you're contract brewing, you're not in it for any money at all, but, right? <laughs> uh, they're doing they're just a brand, and they don't there's nothing behind the brand, and that's sort of a lot of times I think that's the negative side of it. Uh, but there's always a positive. Like, a lot of times, a lot of people with a lot of passion working at a cra- contract brewing, it's just one way to get to where they want to get to. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the $2 million or $1 million to open a brewery, maybe this is the only viable option for you. And you want, you know, you have a beer that you want to get out. And if, if contract brewing is the only way you can do it, what's wrong with that? Right. I love it. So speaking of that, we're, uh, we're drinking the, uh, the uh, collaboration beer, the Coriolis. Coriolis Effect. Right. And this is a 3.5% the Berliner Weiss. Berliner Weiss. Salad. So we did a kettle sour on it where yep. we... Um, so what is that process? So we hold the... We mash in as per normal and water and then we go into the kettle. And what we do is we save the wort in the kettle uh, at about 50 degrees Celsius for the weekend, for about 72 hours, and we pitch a, a strain of uh, lactobacillus called lactobacillus brevis, uh, which we get from the guys at the Escarpment Yeast Labs in Guelph, Ontario. And uh, so in that 72 hours, um, the lactobacillus, uh, goes through, the beer, will go, the wort will go through a lactic fermentation, which drops the pH to about... Uh, 3.3 to 3.5 giving it that tartness mm-hmm. and then we come in on Monday we fire the kettle up and we boil add our hops and boil as per usual and uh, you, then you just ferment out like a normal beer it's just it's just more tart and I find it's a very as long as you follow these steps there's a couple things you got to take into account temperature uh, making sure you're using a good clean strain of uh, lactobacillus and always having CO2 kind of bubbling through it uh, we'll keep your beer clean and just give it a nice tart sourness without any of the uh, off flavors that you sometimes find. Is, in, uh, is there something a home brewer can do? Can a home brewer make oh, a brewer? Oh, for sure. You can totally do it, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a number of different ways to do it. There's some really great uh, websites out there um, that will take you step by step how to do it, either through a kettle sour, a mash sour, or souring it in the fermenter. That takes a little bit longer sometimes, but... Uh, some great web. Uh, one of the websites, I think it's just called Sour Beer Blog. It's really great, and it's a guy. It's a he just writes it out step by step, exactly how you do it, and it's worth the read if you're interested in it. Cool, that's super dope. So this, um, can you talk us through what we're tasting? So uh, it's a 50% wheat beer, uh, which is traditionally uh, how Berliner devices are made. Very low IBUs, maybe like five total, okay. uh, and then the low alcohol. The, the, 
doesn't really. I get a little bit of honey and some uh, lemon. I get apple. It's almost like a, yeah. a, a similar to a cider in a sense. It's got that tartness totally yeah, comes through like and the nice. Chris Smith, uh, yeah, Chris. I definitely get lemon. It's a uh, real citrusy, lemony flavor. Too. Yeah, it's delicious. Like you said, it's uh, like you said earlier, it's lemonade for adults. Yes. I love that. That's exactly what it is. And we had 3.5. You know. You can, you can have, have a few, yeah. You exactly. don't not worry about the consequences. <laughs> so this bad boy is about to be on the uh, LCBO show yep. as soon as they get their act together. Yes. So it won't be long. Yeah. Um, it sh should be this week, maybe next week. Cross. So by the time this comes out, which will be a few weeks, it'll be on, it'll be on the show. So make sure you check that out. Links in the show notes. Um, and it's a collab with Bummer. Yes. How does that happen? Um, Matt, Matt and Rob. So they're the owners? Yeah. And they run this place. Uh, We've done collabs with them in the past. They're really great guys. Uh, they, you know, carry a lot of our beer, which is awesome. If, yeah. if you're, you want to be in places like Bar Up, this is where the cool kids are, right? That's right. So we wanted to be here, and they run a great bar. And we've just been, you know, we talk and we're friends, and let's do a beer. So we did a beer a couple years ago called the Blood Cthulhu, which is definitely not a summer beer. No. Uh, it's an imperial stout with uh, raspberries, tart cherries, and. Uh, Cranberries. Oh, good lord. Yeah, that, that was Matt. Matt, well, he came to me a number a couple years ago, and he said he wanted to make an imperial, like that exact beer and call it Blood of Cthulhu. I'm like, you got the idea, then let's just do it. So we did that, and it was a lot of fun working with them. So they, Matt came back again and wanted to do a Berliner for, I can't, I think it was for an event. In my mind, I, it's been a while since we first did it. And then he wanted to call it the Coriolis effect, so. Sure. What does that mean? Does that mean? Well, the Coriolis effect is the phenomenon of water traveling in a different direction than the rotation of the Earth. Right. And it, it, it in the southern and northern hemisphere. On the southern and northern hemisphere. So remember Australia, that? Every, yeah, remember the yeah, exactly. So that was what I wanted to put on. We were talking about putting that on a label, but toilets on beer labels don't necessarily work. <laughs> Go so, down too low. Well, they do associate themselves sometimes if you have a few too oh, many. Right? 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 Correct, American. Praying to the porcelain gods. <laughs> One of my favorite names, actually, of uh, beers you guys have is Long Dark Voyage. That was the first one. Uranus. 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 Well, I would actually start it out as a, uh, a pun. On, we had, I was doing a competition called uh, Iron Brewer, which is sort of like Iron Chef, but they give you a bag of a mystery bag of malt and ingredients, and you got to go brew something. That sounds so, amazing. I did an Imperial Stout with Anise in it, and it was called Long Dark Voyage to Your Anise. Like, I kind of like... Uh, <laughs> and then I didn't really like the Anise in the beer, but I liked the yeah. name, so I just dropped the Anise, anise and just went and Long Dark Voyage to Your And when we put it to the LCBO, I, I thought for sure it's not going to get in, but no way. <laughs> and then it came back. It was actually the first beer we got accepted into the LCBO with, was that beer. I, okay, sure. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> so we're pretty happy about that, and they, this will be the fourth or... Fourth year in a row we've had it at the LCBO. Awesome. Uh, the beer is fantastic. Yeah, it's really, it's just yeah, just one silver at the Ontario Brewing Awards and a silver at the or bronze at the uh, U.S. Beer Open Championships last yeah. week. Whereabouts was that? Uh, it's out of Ohio. Yeah. So, being a Canadian brewer, do you have uh, distribution in the states? Not in the states. We talked to some importers, but. We haven't really, it's not a market we've moved into yet. It's, I mean, if you think about it, they're so much larger than us. If we go into a market and it starts to expand and blow up, we, 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 we're, we'd be so far behind and not being able to keep up. So we have to tread lightly into that when we figure out what we want to do. Ontario is still a very growing market, so 
we're really chasing Ontario right now. We do do some other provinces, uh, Manitoba and New Brunswick. Okay. Uh, are, you, are you looking to expand out there within Canada, say? I think more Canadian markets. We're looking at more East Coast stuff. We're, we're talking yeah. to doing a... Uh, a shipment out to Newfoundland for a private home order kind of thing. Um, and we're always looking to the west, but there's some questions right now about uh, taxes in Alberta. It, it came up a few months ago, like Steam Whistle and Mill Street, and uh, Muskoka had to pull out. Lake of Bays had to pull out of Alberta because they have these like crazy uh, taxes went from like seven cents a liter to 47 cents a liter. Uh, Steam Whistle managed to get some kind of court injunction so they could still continue to sell out there, but Lake of A's and Muskoka had to pull out because it was no longer viable. They got, it was some sort of like anti. Uh, yeah, something happened. Some Steam Whistle is still going out there, but they're working on it right now. I don't really understand the whole thing. How do you feel about it? Like, as far as, like, to me, it seems like I, it's, just, it's just literally just bureaucracy. Like, there's yeah. no good reason for these invisible lines to what, separate. They, the, what the Alberta one, what they were trying to do is they were trying to, like, be make people drink more from Alberta, like really focus uh, right. on, on Alberta, Alberta. So they were basically making insulating themselves. From yeah. Or making it more expensive. Which is protectionary, which doesn't really help anybody. Because now they don't, if more beer is coming in, it drives the market more. But if you cut, take out imports because you basically push them out of the market, then I find like beer from other provinces, not just from a... It's a competition, not really, like that, not really a competition, but it drives you to make better beers and... It's just part of the, you know, competitive nature in business, I guess. Yeah. And then the craft brewing. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know why they'd want to reduce the amount of craft brewers coming in. And the beer drinkers themselves are, get cut off from the rest of the planet. Which, that's the, that's the yeah. biggest crime. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, as beer drinkers, it does suck. Particularly, like, because I live in Montreal, so coming out here. To be honest, I don't drink enough Quebec uh, beers because I can only get Quebec beers. And literally, only once those now are out there. And now, I guess, it's only a matter of time for Mill Street's everywhere. Yeah. Literally, that's it. Yeah. So I come here, and I can go to the LCBO, and I can get stuff from everywhere when I go back there and occasionally I'll grab things but I usually just kind of just spend out here and just grab it and bring it back yeah you know? yeah no, the, the Quebec breweries are amazing it's just like it's really frustrating to not be able to get that range it, yeah it's, it's hard for us to go into Quebec it's a whole uh, oh yeah I know we haven't even looked at it like we just skipped right over it and went to the east coast that makes sense uh, and, and there's one company that um, the warehouses it called Transbrew they based in Montreal and they have like a warehouse and they they're only went out of province they do as those but they keep some stuff there and they like buy their sandwich and stuff went to the factory and checked it out like it's, it's dope to do a concept but I think it's still it's not them that's difficult it's Quebec that's difficult their, their infrastructure is ready to go I think it's just a matter of uh, well hopefully we can get that I'd love to go to the Quebec market it's a you know it's such a unique market yeah. Maybe I have to go there to make sure it is some QC yeah, checks. Just double check, make sure. It's yeah. Clean. I was talking about uh, before about uh, Schaumburg. Yes. That's yes. Not, it's definitely it's worth on, going um, for. It's on the long uh, weekend, right, which so is your big day, right? Always so, going to be. Yeah. Uh, if we ever do get into Quebec, though, I'm sure we'd have. Oh, so you'd be there. Oh, yeah, you'd have to be there. That's yeah, awesome. Super dope. Um, I do want to ask. Do you know, okay, I was going to couple things, but there was last time we did a podcast, we drank a couple of sour beers, and. 
I don't know why I just started thinking like being you are a are you a master bro or just a yeah. uh, not just a bro but <laughs> yeah. sorry, well, well I, I, I always like I mean yeah, I, I, I don't usually like that term that much because I always say, like, Luke didn't become a Jedi overnight, so it takes uh, a while. <laughs> to be a real muscle. Yeah. Okay. So this might sound an extreme, like, extremely naive and an amateur question, but is there a finite number of styles of Like, can there be new styles of beers? Of course, I think for sure there can be new styles of beers. I think it's just... I don't always... A lot of our beers don't fit into a style category. We do some stuff that's very traditional, like our... This is very, we, a lot of our German and old world beers are very specific, but then it'll, yeah, and our alt, um, but the new world stuff or whatever, I don't think there's really any. Limitless, right? You can yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can helm yourself in and only follow style guidelines, but I don't think, imagine music just stopped making new music and you yeah, got stuck right. in the same old rut over and over again. Right. You need people to go do different things and make new, it makes it exciting. Yeah. Right. And. I mean, it expands all the time. I mean, maybe it's sort of like that style, but it's a twist on it, which is fine. That's how you affect change is by just tweaking old things and making them new. I wanted to know, with your journey specifically, how did you become a brewer? When did you decide you want to brew beer as a uh, profession, and how did you go about doing it? I was in... I was on a trip through uh, Belgium and France with uh, my wife and uh, another couple. Yeah. And we went to a beer festival in um, the Grand Place in, in Brussels. And I'm like, I was working in advertising at the time and realized I like beer a lot more than I liked advertising. <laughs> so, yeah, right? So I returned home after the vacation and then just sort of Googled beer schools and came across uh, the VLB in Berlin, which is an international beer school. And for is it? It's in English, and, but they have people from all over the planet that go there, and so I quit and went out there. Oh, you went nice. to yeah. Nice. It was a. It's like going to. It's like a, a one-year university course. Okay. And then uh, I worked at the brewery for a bit there, and then came back. And as I was telling you earlier, like that was 2006. There was 35 breweries or something in Ontario, yeah. so much smaller, tight-knit market than it yeah, is now. Sure. So that 10 years has just seen the explosion up to over 200 that we have now. And uh, at the time, there was no school in Ontario. Now we have a school here, which feeds a lot of those breweries and feeds the growth of the industry. Because now, you know, having an education in beer wasn't really something you needed specifically to have 10 years ago. I just wanted it because I had, I had never homebrewed. I'd never done anything. I just wanted to do it right. You know, that sort of seemed like the right thing to do. It's not. It's not always. You know, some people might find it easier just to go work at a brewery and, and learn on the job, which is also yeah. very. Yeah. Well, all the book learning in the world, you gotta wait till you get behind the, the kettles, and then, then it becomes real. And uh, that was, a, you know, coming back and it was an eye opener and really working. At so I really wanted to open a place. My friend of mine and I were going to open a place way back when. We first were looking in Toronto. In 2006, you could actually afford things. <laughs> so those days long gone. Long gone. And then we looked at. And then as like as the you know a year or two went by, we started looking at Hamilton. And I was still just learning. And I'm glad that we didn't start something because I, then I went. I worked at a couple of other places. I worked at Magnata first. And then um, Robert Simpson, which is now Flying Monkeys, and then I worked at Mill Street for uh, four and a half years. And working in those places really taught me a lot, especially like Mill Street. 
the growth. We started, like when I started, it was 17,000 hex. And by the time I left four years later, it was 70,000 hex. So it was huge growth. And to see what it takes to grow that much in such a short period of time was a real eye-opener. And just how you have to handle quality and during expansion and being a home brewer or being a, sometimes a smaller craft brewer where you're only making one batch at a time and it's not necessarily repeat, repeat, repeat. Mill Street was very much, you know, you had to make organic six times in a row. I, we were selling this much of it, so you sort of have to, you have to understand that it's a lot of process and planning. It's not as romantic as <laughs> sounds. So that's sort of, work. yeah, and that, that was a big learning thing. So I'm glad I was able to do that and learn through other people before I took the step and we started Sada City. So that started from the night when you were working in Niagara and just contract. Yep. So that's a, like, how did the actual Sada City, like the, the name? Sada City is actually, so Rob Eggman, the owner and other co-founder, um, and I sort of met at, at one of my brother's beer festivals uh, back in 2010. The, when it was the first ever session to yo, it was down at the Sunnyside Park at the time. And we both sort of just went up to each other. I knew him. I didn't really know. I had been writing for Taps a bit, uh, but I never really met Rob. And uh, I just said, hey, I wanted to talk to you about maybe opening. Like, he said that he was, oh, I wanted to talk to you about something uh, too. And we sort of got went from there. And then he had a house up in Gravenhurst, and I'm from the town beside Gravenhurst originally, Bracebridge. So I went up there and met him at his house, and we sat in his garage, drank a bunch of beers, and decided that we should open a brewery there. And Sada City is actually a, an old slang nickname for Gravenhurst. It used to be uh, a lot of the log mills uh, down on the wharf, and they, there were so many mills and so much sawdust, it kind of just got the name Sada City. And I just thought it sounded cool. <laughs> I yeah, found it on Wikipedia and I'm like, yeah, it sounds yeah, cool. Let's like do it. it. Let's do it. Yeah. That's sick. Okay, cool. So it's been uh, a good two solid years now that it's been uh, actually active, I guess. So it yep. took a few years from the the garage to uh, yes. <laughs> took a few. It, you know, there's times when you think, man, is this ever gonna, you know, finally happen? But when it finally does, you're super excited and happy and. Uh, Everything in the past just sort of disappears. Right. And it's been like a sprint so far. So many changes and growth in, the, in those first years, but it's been super exciting. Do you guys exciting. have a bottle shop and like a, yep. a so tap we, room? And we got a retail shop, which is open every day, but I think two all year long. Christmas and Easter, I think, are the only days it's closed. Nice. Uh, Muskoka area is actually uh, is designated a tourist area, so we can be open all long weekends, any oh, day. Nice. We can be open 365 days a year. Nice. Uh, and we're open till 11 o'clock, so on summer long weekends, we're usually pretty busy. Uh, bottle shop is great. The saloon, which was like a sort of last minute addition, we were always going to have a tasting bar, but we decided to make it a full tide house, so you can get pints, half pints. In a tasting bar, you can only get 12 ounce samples. Oh, right. By the glass, but we can do whatever. We always have guest taps. You can get highballs and wine and stuff too. Nice. It's, the Ravenhurst doesn't have a lot of... Uh, bar options <laughs> so ours you know a lot of people it's become the town hot the spot local, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is great and 
we're really happy. It's sort of the town has embraced it. It's, 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 it's been a great response. Is there any plans for, to, to do anything different with that, or is kind of just like keep pushing and then as the brand grows, like you're saying, uh, you know, if you need to expand? Yeah, well, we, we, we'll expand the brew side of it. Uh, we might be adding a little bit, a few more taps next summer. We're going to expand the bar. Right now, we have 12 taps. I think we might push it to 20. We have beers that we don't put on because we don't have enough space on our own taps to put it on. So it would be nice. And we like we want to have some more craft uh, guest taps. So we got a lot of friends that we like to drink their beer too. So we want to bring it in. Uh, so we'll get that. We want to put a cider tap on. And we want to have a wine on tap as well. So that'll be hopefully next year. Because we did all, we, we just dropped about 400 grand on the tanks in the centrifuge, so we had to push the bar expansion until next year. That's fine, I guess that's probably the smart way to do it. Yeah. So you got the two year coming up, two Labor Day, and you guys were looking at doing uh, uh, some special beers for that? Like yeah, we got two barrel aged beers that I, we're, we're gonna try them actually next week. I really hope they're ready to go. I'm pretty excited about both of them. What type of barrels are they aging in? Uh, well, get, is that part of this? Is that yeah, secret? Okay, we don't want to reveal too much. Say what you can. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're very different beers. They're, they're, they'd be night and day, literally. And uh, we're just, we really hope they're ready to go. And, uh, I'm pretty sure they will be. So cool. it'll be fun to have them uh, available uh, on our birthday. And we want to bring something new out every long weekend. So cottagers are coming up. We want them to stop in and, and find something new and exciting. Do you guys have any other um, like special brews other than the planning stages right. or anything you can talk about? Uh, well, we just did our Limberlost. So last year we did the Limberlost uh, beer, which was um, we went out to the forest and foraged for yeast. And we had the guys from Scarpman come and they actually took a whole bunch of yeast samples and they got 80 different yeast and bacteria and they screened it out till they got to one that was alcohol tolerant. And then we grew it up and fermented a beer with the, with so the yeast. Crazy. That's insane. So we had we released that earlier this year. Um, we finished it off with this uh, strain of Britannomyces, uh, Brett B, that I really like. So it gives a little bit more farmhouse funk. Mm -hmm. And then we went back this summer and we we did it a little bit more uh, like a lambic style. So we brewed a beer and then put it into uh, some kegs, drove the kegs out. We have a big open vessel, which is our hot back. We blew, blew, blew the beer back into the hot back and then just covered it with some cheesecloth and let it sit for 24 hours in the, in the air. Uh, yes, please. And uh, just let it naturally inoculate with wild yeast and bacteria. Took it back, put it back into the kegs, drove it back to the brewery, pumped it into a barrel and just waited to see what happened. And then within 24 hours, it was fermenting. And it fermented down to about 1.5 very fast. So we're going to let that sit for a year and it'll develop. Wow, as, as, long, eh? Well, the, first you get your sack fermentation and then you'll right. get some bread and then you'll get, that's, then after that is when the bacteria starts to come in. Right. The lactobacillus or pediococcus or whatever the hell's in the woods. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then we did, then we had 10 other barrels that we brewed a beer and we didn't pitch any yeast into it. We took about two liters uh, from that original batch and poured two liters into each of the barrels and then just let them go naturally too so now we have 10 barrels with the with that right in it so 
we'll see what happens. And they all fermented <laughs> down to the same. We're about one and a half Play-Doh right now. Yeah. And what does that mean? Sorry. So that's the sugar level. So you start at like 11. It was, this one started at 11 and oh, went down. Same as the wine sugar level. Well, you, so like gravity. Right? Yeah. So you, yeah. you start off. It, it lets you know how gravity. much you, how you're gonna how you can determine your alcohol content. So you start off with your sugar content is 11 Play-Doh or 11 percent, and then you ferment it down to one and a half or 1.5 percent Play-Doh, which is one and a half percent sugar. It's very dry. So that distance is called your attenuation, and that tells you basically how much alcohol you have. Gotcha. Okay. Like the hydrometer stuff. Yes. Yeah. All, all the geeky all numbers. So it's uh, we're pretty excited about that. So we'll give it a year, and we'll, that'll that project's in the works right now. And we got a bunch of other barrels going. Um, we got Ale of Two Cities coming out as well, which uh, it's another collaboration we did with uh, Justin and his team at Stone City in Kingston. Great guys. So they came up. We uh, recently had Funk Fest up at Sada City, which was uh, an all sour, all funky slash barrel aged beer. We were talking about that like a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah. it was Canada uh, long weekend, so we had it on July 2nd and uh, sold out. We had about 630 people there. Uh, 19 breweries, 31 beers. Uh, and so what we did was Justin came up on the Friday, the day before the festival. We started this kettle sour on the Friday, and then during the festival on Saturday, the guys from Escarpment were there taking people through like a tutorial on what was happening in the kettle, teaching them about sour beers and what, what process is happening right now to give you the sour beers. And so that beer, it's a Ale of Two Cities is a uh, sour IPA, so it's very hoppy but also very sour. And uh, it'll be coming out uh, August long weekend. Amazing. Now, is that coming out through Soda City or through Stone City? Uh, through Soda City. We, had, we originally did it out at uh, out in Kingston with Stone City back. Uh, we released it on Valentine's Day last year, or this year. Same deal? Yeah. Okay. So uh, we, did a, we did a bigger version up at Soda this time. So, we'll, you know, last time we sold there, this time we'll sell it here. Is it going to be in uh, LCBS? No, no, they're just just direct from the brewery, and then that bar is like Bar Hop and uh, Kick Ass Beer Bars across the province. You get a hands on that one. Okay. It, it smells great. It tastes awesome right now. Yeah. Do you have it? Do you ever have that one? It sounds somewhat familiar. It's super fucking juicy. Yeah. Like it's like. <laughs> That's what I like. The juiciness. It's yeah. really good. It's Citra Mosaic and Simcoe hops, so it's nice. got all those big. You know, northwestern U.S. aromatics that you find in the big IPAs. That sounds exciting to me. That's what I like. Yeah. No, I was just thinking. I was at Niagara Brewing last summer, I believe, and one of the it was the, the students do yep. brews and they put them on tap. Yep. And I had one, and it was like an it was like a soured imperial IPA aged in like <laughs> red wine barrels. It was insane. It was really it was super intense. I remember nice. very unique style. Yeah, well, there you go. But the, there is no real limit. Like right. that wouldn't have existed ten years ago. Right. Exactly. Sour IPA is definitely just like. It's I think it's catching like, on. The dry hop yeah. sours, like the whole, you know, idea of the sour and that sort of aesthetic with the mouthfeel and the acidity, is really caught on, and it's sort of like that's where hop. It's where hops were five, six years ago, even ten years ago. Now we're moving over here. This, whatever the new fat is, whatever the trend is, the brewers will pick up on it and sort of add their own twists. Yeah, and it just exactly. kind of blows up. It's super dope. I guess they're, they're blending as a style. So I was always curious if, they, if, if, if there's like, all right, these are the definitive styles and that's it. Like, I get that you can mix them. Well, there is this, like, we were, we were talking, what does it take to get a beer recognized in the style guide? Because there's a style guide, yeah, it's I, a style guide that has... I guess you, you sort of, as a brewer, you sort of 
give it that name. So you're releasing right. it to the world under this. It gives some. It gives is the it, customer is like there a, someone moderating that though. If I want to call this, no, no, IPA, no. You can call whatever you want. I, I can call it, this basically, you're, 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 but then your customer is going to be like, "This isn't right, 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 right." So right, you, right. You, you, there has to be some sort of level of trust between you and the consumer because they need to know. It's it. Basically, styles just give you an idea of what you may be drinking, and I mean, you can have arguments. People get all like up in arms about specific style guidelines and stuff. I am not a style Nazi. I don't care. I just sort of like, yeah, it's an IPA or yeah, it's ish. Yeah. And you can call it whatever you want. Like our princess wears girl pants. I just sort of called it a Belgian, a hoppy Belgian golden. But now I say it's sort of more like an imperial saison. I call it whatever you want to call it. Like, it's just a descriptive. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, to let it, you know what you're drinking. Exactly, it's a, hop, a hoppy Belgian style ale. Right. So you know there's probably going to be a, a different yeast, and you know that it's going to be hoppy. Okay, you got to figure it out. Move on. Who cares, really? Yeah. I mean, if you like it, you like it. Right. But I do understand that you sort of have to let them know what you're talking about. Yeah, I guess I, I thought it was probably more like when something for selling it, like LCBO type of regulations, or for beer <laughs> Definitely for beer judging because you, but that being said, you can enter whatever category you want. If you think it better fits this BJCP style profile, then put it in there. But then you have to depend on the judges agreeing. Yes, exactly. And uh, I mean, awards are some very subjective, and there's you know there's you can either put all your money on and say yeah, I think awards are great, or. They're a nice feather in their cap sometimes, but they're also very subjective. And if you don't, fall, maybe your beer doesn't fall into the BJCP category, which is exactly what they're judging. But it's still a very good beer that just sort of lives on its own, and that doesn't mean it's not worth anything because it hasn't won an award. It just means it doesn't really fit anything. Right. It's kind of cool, actually. I guess like that. Okay, that's it. Um, so. As far as like what's what's you guys got anything else planned? I guess as far as us, like you guys are doing the beers, you guys got any, any cool collabs coming up? Are there other ones? Uh, you, well, Ryan and Ryan and Nickelbrook and I do one every year. We have the same birthday. Um, you're the guy. Yeah. You're the 11:50. 11:05. Sorry, 11:05. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, they do that. So we we have the same birthday. So we it was cast days a bunch of years ago, and I met Ryan for the first time. We're like, oh, we have the same birthday. Uh, we should do a beer one time. And then we this will be our fourth one. The first one was a, a bar, barrel aged barley wine. And then we did a triple IPA, and then last year we did the Imperial Saison with the that five, was insane. The five was, fruits yeah. and five alive. In the blue can, it was unreal, man. Oh my god. And we just we do, we go back and forth between breweries. Like we did it there, then we do it at ours, then we do it there. Then we, this, year, this year we're doing it at ours. We're gonna do. Um, we just talked about it. We'll do a uh, a Belgian triple uh, finished with uh, Britannomyces. So and it always has it, it has to be eleven point zero five percent. Yes. Yeah. Right. And you, they release it on 1105 yeah. every year. See, I know what I'm talking about. So yeah, that's always fun to do that. Um, and you know, usually when we did it, we did a collab actually during the Canadian Brewing Wars out in BC. Uh, Ryan again, myself, uh, Mike Lackey from Great Lakes. Uh, we all went out to uh, Four Winds and brewed a beer with them out there. So that was really awesome. Uh, yeah, it's whenever you get together with a bunch of brewers, usually a collab will come out of it. Mostly it involves 
brain juice, <laughs> and and something comes out of that. So you guys actually you mentioned before that you see your brother runs session to you. Yeah. So we uh, we had Nicole from Sweetgrass yeah. on a few episodes ago. And I swear she, I think that's how we got speaking, got talking actually on uh, yeah. Instagram. So you guys do the um, like the, the group session of seven. every year. Yeah. So sick. We did that. We we're telling her we did the. Um, the session, the, the saison, there was a white and the, the red, the white and the red yeah. barrel one, yeah, those were cool. And so then got, this year we did yeah. a, a IPL, session ale. yeah, which IPL, is a yeah. Uh, very hoppy lager. Hoppy lager, yeah. Uh, we use a new hop called Idaho Seven, which is very limey, I guess. We very citrus lime. But yeah, it's always fun to do that because it allows you to sort of do things that are outside of your, you wouldn't do a Sada City, but you can do it with someone else. And it also allows you to like... Brainstorm with people. And, and uh, to do yeah. other... Uh, ow. Um, I'm having a cramp. serious <laughs> leg cramp right now. I'm really dehydrated and hungover. Oh, no. It's like intense. <laughs> oh my God. Get some water in this guy. Get some wow. Water. It's Get like, water. that's crazy. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> It allows you to it's okay. <laughs> oh, whoa. You get to do, uh, you know, I wouldn't have done an IPL, but now I've done it and I liked it, so my gosh, we can like always it do it again. Yeah. And it's, always, it's fun to work with my brother and stuff. So. That's sick. I never actually got to check out the festival. Is that, is that the one that Young and Dunn does? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they also do, he also does the Muskoka Beer Festival, which is uh, July long week, August long weekend this year. Every year. He's got Tokyo Police Cup playing. Um, Chaos will be up there. Some other local bands. And then uh, they do the beer at the CNE as well. All the craft beer at the CNE. Oh, right. Yeah. That's so he's got a. Food trucks and craft beer. That's yes. always a good time. It was a huge success last yeah. year. So he's been doing that for a couple of years. They, and he really likes, you know, the CNE is a fun place. You get a lot of visitors. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a good way to introduce. Craft a million people to yeah, yeah. craft beer. Is that like just run in the family? Like how did, uh, how did that uh, He started, when I got back from school, he started the Griffin. He bought a pub and he wanted it. It was just like a local pub and he wanted to make it all craft beer, which it was like eight years ago was pretty... That was Especially in Muskoka. They have a lot of taps there, don't they have? Yeah, uh, but they said 10. Oh, I thought it was more than that. They got 10 right now. As well? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a small place with a great atmosphere, great yeah. live music, and they run a lot of outdoor festivals and stuff through it. And it just sort of grew from there. I guess my dad was the one who ended up winning the most. Now he's got to go kick one guy with a brewery and the other one with a <laughs> pub. He's doing all right. Yeah. He's doing pretty good for himself. That's pretty cool. I like that. That like, keeps it all uh, keeps it keeps it like, together. Yep. That's amazing. That's what's on the group. So, um, yeah, man, that's great. So, where can everybody find you uh, online? Uh, SodaCityBrewing.com uh, is our website. We have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that jazz. Is that Soda City Beer? Soda City Beer. At Soda City Beer for both Instagram and Twitter. And then Soda City Brewing uh, on Facebook. Um, we try to get uh, be as relevant as possible, keep it up to date on those ones because... You guys are fun. It's always changing. We want to make sure everyone knows the beer is coming out and yeah. what we're doing. And, and that's you running? Uh, I do a lot of it. Uh, we got uh, some really good people that work with us too. Uh, I used to do most of it, but now we have... Uh, I get pulled in other directions. So I try to do it as much as I can, but I don't do it as much as I used to. <laughs> that's the thing. So let's say good day, follow you guys, and uh, yeah, man, appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much. Yeah, Thank you guys for having me out here. Thank you guys for having Cheers. Me. Appreciate it. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Bye.